Welcome to another inspiring sister's message. We hope you are blessed by this ministry. Do you feel alive? Fantastic. So before I share the word, I just want to sort of create a layer, uh, the first layer of the theme tonight. And you'll notice there's a lot of color behind me. But you know, our main theme, our main vision for the year in church is rebuilding. And we're going to do no different at Sisters. We are going to do what we have always done. We are all, we actually, like they sang on Sunday at the Vision Sunday, that item, we build your church from the ground up. You know, the truth is, we don't actually know who we are building with. And uh, online, God bless you if you're watching. We are just hoping that everyone will find their place. Everyone will find their seat in the house when they feel they're ready to do so. And so that we can worship together, uh, build God's house together, build lives together. Amen. And um, so we're going to forge ahead. And, um, you know, our sister's theme for the years you've heard uh, is hopes and dreams. And as per every year, we want to create a beautiful atmosphere. You know, God wired women with a desire to enjoy atmosphere and color. We've all got our favorite colors, don't we? And this pandemic, to be honest, it kind of stole color from us. It made everything dark and bleak. And, you know, your, your pictures that you saw possibly in your emotions were only black and white. And I believe God wants us to enjoy color again because of the mindset and our emotions being in the right place. Amen. And I, I felt it was a colorless time, and it's really beginning to, to be better. So I need to tell you, you know, um, I posted something on Instagram a, a few months ago, maybe weeks ago, and there's a young lady in our church who liked what I posted, and when I looked at who she was, I can't remember her name, she might be here, um, she was in front of a wall like this, and she was jumping up in the air, and, and I got so excited, I took a picture and I sent it to my daughter who does all our design, because we had already started uh, talking, um, and thank you, Simon, for your inspiration with the pho photographs and the photo shoots and... Um, just, just helping us get a theme going. But anyway, I said, I have to have this wall. Does anyone know where this was taken? And of course, from our staff, we, I got an influx, like almost with a question mark, like, hello, have you not been to this place? It's in Hartis. Okay, no, I haven't been there. But thank you to the young lady who inspired me so, so much. Well, you know, just talking about romantic settings and colorful settings, uh, we see a lot of this in this, the book of Song of Songs. And it speaks about, you just go back there and go and enjoy it, because it speaks about beautiful, romantic, colorful settings. It, it mentions um, colors and textures. It mentions jewelry and perfume. Holly ha in the word of God. Yes, there it is. It speaks of purple upholstered seats. I think that's in the NLT, and apples. And I thought, wow, purple upholstered seats 
and think about green apples, how beautiful God puts together color for us, amen? And it speaks of scarlet ribbons and pomegranates. And they're kind of the same colors if you cut open a pomegranate. And I'm getting there. I promise you I'm getting to my point. Just pops of color. It's going to be a year of color. It's going to be a year of joy. It's going to be a year of celebration. And, you know, I've taken my inspiration from uh, Joseph's coat. So we're going to pretend that's Joseph's coat over there, which is actually Moning, my PA's assistant, it's actually her coat. So last year already when we in October and we did our last sisters and I looked at Moning with her coat, I said, Joseph's coat. And that inspired me with a whole Joseph theme. And um, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's awesome. So as I was meditating on this coat of Joseph, this coat of many, many colors, I wondered if his father Jacob took his inspiration from the rainbow that God had put in the sky. Because, you know, in uh, Genesis chapter 9, after the flood and people on the earth were destroyed, God made a promise and he made a covenant and he said, never again, now we know there's been floods and we know there's been destruction, even in our own country. But what God was saying is, I'm making a covenant and a promise that never again will the earth be completely destroyed by floods. Amen. And then, then I just thought about it that, you know, perhaps he, he prof because he was prophetic in, in many of the things that he spoke about that's written in the word of God. And I thought, well, maybe um, the coat of many colors uh, may have been embroidered with the promises of God over Joseph's life. And it's just quite deep when you start going into it. And because the men will just skip over that part if they're reading the one-year Bible, but us girls will stick at it and we'll say, hang on a minute, there's deeper meanings over here. Amen? But you know, interestingly, his brothers hated him because of that coat, because it set him apart. And they tore it to stretch and that's, uh, to shreds. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do in our lives. You know, God has placed a mantle on us. You know, any one of us that's come home to Jesus, we were prodigals, prodigal sons and daughters, amen? And we came home and, and, and a ring was put on our fingers, sandals were put on our feet, dignity was given to us, a, a robe was placed on us. And what would the enemy want to do? He would want to come and shred your hopes and dreams, amen, to, to, to pieces. He would want to strip you of your potential. He would want to take away your confidence. He would want to throw you in a pit. But our God is bigger than any enemy that would come against us, amen? Now, what I see about this coat of many colors, and I'm going to come to another part of the scriptures that I'm going to read, I promise. I'm not going to stick with a coat very long. It's typical of a woman to stick with a coat for as long as I have. But I see that a coat of colors given to a child is a coat of love. Um, and I wondered, again, if Joseph knew that, um, sorry, if Jacob knew if I've mixed up Jacob and Joseph, just shout out at me and remind me that you've got the two wrong, okay? Because I've done this all the time now um, during the week. Anyway, when I was preparing, I wondered if Jacob knew that Joseph was a son of promise. Because if you read the whole, the whole story, you will understand that the promise that, that was on him was that 
the line of Jacob will not be destroyed. The people of Israel will not be wiped out by a famine that was going to come many, many years later, like 20 years later, okay? And then scholars uh, point out that because Rachel, the mother of Joseph, was Jacob's first love, again, this is like what soapies are there on at the moment. I don't know. This is like a soap in full swing, so if you don't know, Jacob, the father of Joseph, was promised Rachel, but was conned by Leah. And, and then Jacob had to work another seven years for the love of his life. Now, the firstborn son, scholars are saying, because he's the firstborn of the love for Rachel, that coat symbolized and marked Joseph out as the heir of the patriarchal blessing. In other words, and he was. He was in charge of these boys. You'll see later on in the story. So just something to, 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 to mention. And you know, about this coat, when you read it, you'd, you'd think to yourself, well, Jacob had a favorite. He was favored. And then I want to remind you that God has no favorites and that we are all favored. We are all favored by God. Amen? And, and we mustn't forget that. You know, we are set apart for greatness. You see, because God sees what we don't see. He sees our potential. He sees our future. He sees who we can be. He sees what we can achieve in life, even though we don't believe it about ourselves. Amen. And so there are no favorites, and um, we need to wear our mantle and our coat with confidence, girls, even if people hate us because of it. Well, it seems like a coat of many colors, whether you are rich or poor, given as a symbol of love, will create controversy. For Joseph, his father was rich, and look where that coat actually landed him, coupled with his dreams, of course. But I read the story of Dolly Parton. Now, I'm not particularly a country girl fan, you're all like, hey. But I do love the story. And I, I've always enjoyed, you know, the beauty of, of Dolly Parton. And I've enjoyed the spirit and the gentleness of her. But I love her story. Um, and a movie was made about it. Now, Dolly Parton's mother was dirt poor. So unlike Joseph's father, Jacob, who was very wealthy, uh, they, they had something in common a coat of many colors. Isn't that interesting? And so Dolly Parton wrote a song about the patchwork coat that her mom made for her, made from scraps. They were so poor that people felt sorry for them and someone once dropped off a whole like, cake tin of, uh, or little suitcase of patch, uh, colorful patch material. And her mother decided, that's it. I'm going to make my daughter a beautiful coat with it. And of course, she wore it with pride, and it kept her warm, but her classmates mocked her. Do you hear the story repeating itself again? Mocked her, called her names, and it's just wonderful to see how this woman became a superstar and has a heart of gold, because recently uh, I read that... Um, she is providing books for all the school children in her native Sevier County, where she grew up in Tennessee, free of charge. And so just like how 
we look at the coat of many colors, a modern story, an old story, um, and I'm just layering tonight with this year of colors, taking my inspiration from a wall in Hartes and from the coat of Joseph's, um, but we're going to look at more than the coat, and we're also going to look at Joseph's dreams, and because we can learn a lot, we can learn a lot from Joseph's dreams. Now you've sat for quite a long time. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, hand on your heart, as we commit the word of God to him. I also just want to, as we close our eyes, just want to mention that during the time of worship, I just felt God impress something on me. And it was like God was saying, I see these beautiful girls at my feet. I see them attentive at my feet. I see them weeping at my feet. I see some of them um, wiping my feet with, with their hair. I see some of them just opening their hearts and just being ready to receive from the hand of God tonight. And so I, I looked around and I thought, yes, it's true, Lord. I could not see a single, not that I looked for this, I could not see a single person who wasn't entering in. I could not see someone who was on their phone during worship time. And I thought, that is so true. God showed me a picture of the beauty that fills this room tonight and those at home because of attentive hearts, ready hearts, hearts that want to worship God, hearts that are saying, Lord, speak. Speak to me. Hearts that are saying, Lord, teach me your way. I want to walk in your truth. And so I just wanted to share that with you. Father God, we just want to thank you for this beautiful evening. Uh, we want to thank you that there's the smell of perfume in the house again. We want to thank you, Lord God, that as we sit under your word, that you will minister to us deep into our hearts, Lord. Your Holy Spirit is welcome here. May he have his way in our lives, in our minds, in our thoughts, and in our own hearts that are willing to learn and follow you, Father God. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So hopes and dreams, when we hear the word dreams, a lot of thoughts come to mind, doesn't it? Uh, you know, we, we, we speak very openly about our dream house, our dream car, our dream man, our dream holiday, <laughs> our dream job. Isn't that the truth? And so there are different kinds of dreams that I don't really have time for, but I'm going to skim through a few thoughts tonight that will perhaps help us as we lay this foundation. So there's a difference between dreams and visions. Okay, so um, visions come when we are awake. We are awake. Eyes can be closed in con contemplation or in meditation to God or in prayer and a vision can come, right? And, and vision can also come in the form of prophecy. I remember when um, Pastor Mike Maiden, Dr. Maiden was here, and he ministered to, the, to our staff and to our entire church. This was just before lockdown. He, um, he had a prophecy for my daughter, and um, it was a beautiful prophecy, and it, it actually... It's come true, so you can guess what it's about, right? 
But then the man that she married, <laughs> Philip, he didn't, know, he didn't know us. He didn't know my son. He didn't know my daughter-in-law. He didn't know our staff. So he didn't know anything uh, about her and if she's involved with anybody. And then he, when he came to Phil and he prophesied over him, he said a few things. Uh, and then when he, he actually said, there's something I see but I can't say. And I was like, oh, my word, this sounds disastrous. What? I mean, I see, what is he going to go off the cliff? Or what, what is, what is going to happen? Then afterwards, we went for a spot of lunch. And I, I said, uh, Dr. Mike, what, that young man that you prayed for, he said, yes, I, I, I don't want to preempt anything. But I saw a picture of him in your house and your, your daughter by his side. Because he actually said to Simi, he said, um, are you the pastor's daughter? Remember that? Are you the pastor's daughter? And so just to say that's how visions work. It comes in prophecy. It's a picture God gives you. A little bit of what I had tonight was a, a picture of the hearts, the stance of the girls in the house. The stance. I'm not saying you are all on your knees. I, I didn't see that. But I saw your hearts, your stance. It was before God. It was beautiful. And it inspired me. It fueled me. You know, usually God will speak to us in the dreams of the night. So when Joseph had his two dreams, they were dreams of the night. And uh, it's, it's very rare. Joseph was a dreamer. He had the title, Here Comes the Dreamer. But he only had two dreams his entire life. So it's not like people who have dreams and visions. This is like 10 a dozen, you know, every week in church. No, 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 no. It, it, it really is quite rare. And uh, not all dreams are of God. Can I just reiterate? Not all dreams are of God. And dreams of the day, because you get dreams of the night and then you get dreams of the day. You get daydreams, <laughs> but you also get dreams of the day. They speak of our goals, of our hopes to improve our lives. To, to perhaps own a, a better home than where you are right now, a better car that's safer, uh, living in a safer area. Th those are dreams uh, of, of the day and beautiful to have. Um, they could be God-given, but not always. Amen? And so Joseph's dream was a God-given dream. Um, and, and it was for a specific purpose. It wasn't to indulge him. In fact, when his father indulged him, it landed him almost dead in the pit. But when God gives us a specific dream, a God dream, it usually is linked to him and his purposes and to the kingdom of God. Amen. And so um, we're going to read from Genesis 37. It's a few verses, but we'll go quite quick through it from verse 3. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Israel meaning jo Jacob, okay? Uh, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were 
binding sheaves in the field, then behold, my sheaf rose and also stood upright. And that's like a bunch of wheat kind of stuff. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. I mean, if I had a knife right now and that was my sister, I don't know what I would do. And my brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I, your mother meaning Leah, because his mother had already gone to be with the Lord, Rachel. So his mother, or whoever was the mother in the house at the time, I reckon it must have been Leah. Um, Shall your mother and I, your brothers indeed, come to bow to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matter in mind. So now the story goes on in a very quick nutshell. The story goes on that his brothers now plotted to kill him. Why did they want to kill him? He had a coat of many colors. It set him apart. He was seen as the patriarch of the future. And then, of course, he came with these crazy dreams, two dreams that meant the same thing, by the way. And so they were first going to kill him, and then they decided, let's take the tunic, strip it into pieces like the devil wants to do with us, and then put the animal's blood on it, go back to the father and say, uh, an animal killed him. So then they're rid of the problem. They're rid of the dream, they're rid of the coat, they're rid of the promise. Amen? Instead, then they threw him in a pit, and then uh, Ishmaelites came past with their caravans and their camels, and they sold their brother to, the, to slave traders. They sold him as a slave. And then the Ishmaelites went to Egypt and sold this 17-year-old boy as a slave to Potiphar, the Egyptian captain, to Pharaoh. How am I doing so far? So, then you see... He's now in charge of the whole household of Potiphar because God was with him. You read, I don't know what translation you read in Genesis 37 onwards, God was with him. God was with him. That dream remained on the inside of him. Amen? And then, of course, he's made in charge of all the slaves in the house, in Potiphar's house, until Mrs. Potiphar got it into her little brain that she's going to have a good time with this hunk of a young man, which we will read a little bit later on. And then he decides he's going to run away from the situation, flee youthful lusts, as it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 or 5. 6. Somewhere there in Timothy. <laughs> flee youthful lusts. And that's exactly, he didn't even have the book of Timothy, but he knew what God wanted. Amen. So he ran away from Mrs. Potiphar. She grabbed hold of his other, now other tunic, another coat that he had, and she stood there with a coat while he's running down the road. And then she was caught out, well, somehow, by the other slaves, clearly saw what was going on. 
And then she lied to her husband and said, you know what, that slave that you bought, that Hebrew, he tried to rape me, which is a lie. Anyway, into jail, into prison goes Joseph, and he's there for a very, very long time. While he's there, he's, he, he, he still has the dream inside of him. God is with him, and then he gets promoted once again to be in charge of the whole prison and all the prisoners. That's how God worked in his life. And then he started interpreting dreams. So Pharaoh's cupbearer and Pharaoh's baker, there wasn't a candlestick maker and there wasn't a butcher, but those two, they had dreams, both of them in one night. And then um, Joseph felt he could interpret those dreams, but he did say to, to them, to interpret dreams is the work of God, is the business of God. So don't just let anybody interpret your dreams for you. Amen? It's the business of God. Anyway, then finally, the cupbearer leaves, and Joseph says to him, please, will you remember my predicament? Will you put in a good word for me when you're back uh, you know, in the king's court? And he doesn't remember. He forgets about it, and he just you know, gets on with his life. Finally, Pharaoh has a dream, and no one could interpret it. And then the cupbearer said, hang on a minute. There was a Hebrew in prison that could interpret dreams. And then that's when the story really hots up, because now he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And the interpretation basically is there's going to be seven years of plenty. And then there's going to be seven years of famine. And then he gave him advice as to how to handle it. And that is how the brothers came to Egypt. In the meantime, Joseph went from prisoner, as the judge Mucheng Mucheng said on this very platform, which year? 2020, 20, 2019. He went from prison in the morning to governor in the evening in Egypt. And that's how great our God is. Amen? And so, so it's seven years of plenty, then it's seven years of famine, and the whole world is in famine, and who comes knocking on the door of the Egyptians? The brothers who tried to kill him and sold him, didn't recognize him. What do they do 20 years, about 22, 23 years later? They come before Joseph, and they bow before him. That was what that dream was all about. It was for God's purpose, and it just seemed like a crazy story, but a beautiful story, and they were reconciled, if you have time to read it, and a wonderful outcome and victory for Joseph, a vindication for him. And so his dream, as I said, unfolded over many, many years, and, you know, he knew that God would fulfill his dreams. He even didn't understand what it was all about, but he knew God was in charge. So now I want to ask a question, and I, I haven't given you the title, but I promise you I'm pulling a Pastor Andre tonight. I will get there. <laughs> Is there anyone here who had a God dream that has been fulfilled? Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Will you write to me? <laughs> How do we do it? On the app or we don't have response cards? On the app. On the app or on our website. Let me know what those dreams were. Now, I, like Joseph, have only had two dreams. 
uh, in all the time of serving the Lord. The first one was, was, was actually uh, in Cape Town in the 80s. And I wrote the second one first, so I just want to go to my notes here. So this is, this is the deal. I grew up with five brothers, boy cousins, no sisters, no girl cousins, no, 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 no baby girl, two boys. Like, Lord, please, you know, can I have a girl? So anyway, my second pregnancy with Pastor Adi, I had a dream. And I saw a little girl with spiky hair. Now, that's Pastor Adi. Now, there's that little girl with spiky hair. That's Pastor Adi. That's his brother, Donovan. And while I'm pregnant with Pastor Adi, God gives me a dream that I have seen this dream of this little girl sitting in a cot with spiky black hair and a pink dress. So I said to Pastor Ron, we're having a girl. We are having a girl. That's it. We didn't have scans like all of you have today. Long story short, Adi came along. I absolutely adored him. He was my second little darling boy with blue eyes and black hair, but I thought that was a pizza dream. I must have just had pizza or something. <laughs> anyway, five years after that, I felt pregnant again, and it was another boy, but I miscarried midterm. And then I waited. Uh, finally, 11 years after Adi was born, I pregnant with a little girl with a spiky black hair, with a little pink, her hair was cut, I mean her hair was combed down, the spikes were, were combed down there, but, but just to explain to you, a God dream comes true, comes true, even if it will take you 20 years for Joseph, 11 years for me. It doesn't have to be in the order that we see it. It doesn't have to be the way that we demand it's going to be right. And so um, there we go. So if you have dreams tonight, hold on to your dreams. The title for tonight is Facing Obstacles on Your Way to Your Dreams. Facing Obstacles on Your Way to Your Dreams. The second one, do you want to hear that? It's a pretty nasty one. So we were in the small building. It was about 1995. I dreamt the night before a weird scenario. We woke up in the morning. I said to Pastor Andre, I dreamt a lady, and I mentioned her name, went to our PA. At the time, it was Ayanda Natuli was our PA. She, I dreamt she went to Ayanda and said, you must watch out for Pastor Andre because he's just bought a new car and he's taken the church's money and bought that car with it. The truth is it wasn't actually a new car. It was a second-hand car and he traded his golf, his something, his Jetta. He, traded, <laughs> he traded his Jetta in for a second-hand Mercedes. It wasn't even a new model or anything like that. And I dreamt that. And it really, it felt like a warning. The very next day at church, this woman went to Ayanda Natuli and spoke word for word that was in my dreams. So then when Ayanda came and said, I need to speak to both of you, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what, Ayanda, God gave me that dream last night as a warning to prepare us to know how to deal with this. 
And of course, we took it straight to the elders. And uh, it, it's just amazing. What a funny dream. Why did God give it to me? Maybe because he knows I would pro probably fall completely apart that my husband's been accused of stealing the church's money. I don't know, but God is just good in what he does. Amen. Ten minutes on a sister's opening night. Okay. Point number one. Don't let anyone kill your dreams. Even people with God dreams go through tough times. Trust me. And don't be surprised when, you know, when you're on your way to your dream to being fulfilled that you're suffering hardships. It seems like what that dream was all about, whether it's a God-given, whether it's a dream of the night, can I just say that, or a dream of the day, your hopes and dreams, you know, it can take a long time before you get there. In my case, with the second dream, it took less than 24 hours because it was for a specific reason, for a warning. I mean, so, you know, Joseph suffered hardships. I don't need to reiterate that. He went through absolute hell. But, you know, people with no dreams, listen to this, hate dreamers in their space. When you tell them the dream, not like, not like Joseph's brother say, oh, that's so lovely, that's so nice, and they begin to grind their teeth because on the inside, they actually want to kill your dream because they're not a dreamer, but you're the dreamer, and so people can't understand you because you think differently. Dreamers think differently to other people, and don't let anyone kill your dreams, especially if they're from God. Genesis 37, 19 to 20, it says the brothers were saying, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill and throw him into one of these old cisterns. That's a pit. We can say that a vicious animal ate him up. We'll see what his dreams amount to. That's what people will want to say. Ah, you know, there comes that dreamer. Visions of grandeur. Oh, you must just hear the stories. Oh, my word. But you know what? We'll put her in her place. Mm -mm. Don't let anyone kill your dreams. Amen. With Joseph, after being sold and then landing in prison and all of that, time and time again, he had to live with hopes awakened and then hopes dashed. And in prison, you know the story and the suffering that he went through, by the way, just made a man out of him. I found this amazing scripture. It's from the Amplified Bible. It speaks of Joseph's Psalm 105, verses 17 to 18. It says, he sent a man before them, that's speaking of God, even Joseph, who was sold as a servant. His feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in chains of iron, and his soul entered into the iron. Can you just imagine what that means? How hurtful that was. His soul entered into the iron. Maybe Pastor Andre can interpret that for us one day, but it sounds like a very bad situation, like death, like weight, like horrible. Amen? And, but it made a man out of him. And you know what? Often when we go through hardship on our way to our dream, it will make a woman out of us. Amen? It will make something more beautiful out of our lives, okay? 
So people may have made promises to you while he was in prison. Maybe that cupbearer was promising him things. Maybe for your business, people promised, made big promises to you, but they forgot about you. Well, you know, God never forgot about Joseph, and he will never forget about you. He's dependable. Don't let anyone kill your dreams. Patience is the key. You know, Pastor Andre and I, on our way to our dream church, from that little building, it's our 30th year now, we had many hardships. I just shared with you some of the nonsense that people got up to. And, um, it, it, you know, it, it, it was a long dream, and we got there eventually, there pre-lockdown. There's my husband standing in a church packed with people, not because he's great, but because the dream that God put in us is for his purposes, for his honor, and for his glory. Amen? My, my you know, walk towards my dream to have my little girl wasn't easy because I suffered a miscarriage, a little boy that I already named Nathan. Um, yeah, if it was a boy, it was going to be Nathan. Uh, I can't remember what her name came much later, but it was an 11-year wait, and I'm glad that no one killed my dream. Number two, learn to hang on to your dream. Be persistent and pursue it. Amen? Don't give up. Keep trusting. Keep believing. You know, if only Abraham and Sarah had hung on to their dream the way that Joseph had, they wouldn't have made Ishmael. They wouldn't have said, oh, you know what? And don't do this, girls. God makes a promise to you. God gives you a dream. Let me help God along a little way. Let, let me just help God along. Let's speed the process. This, is, this must be the guy. This must be the guy. He's been in prison five times. He's been married six times. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We will hang on to our dream. We will not make Ishmael's along the way. We won't say, Lord, let me help you and do my own thing. Amen. Persist and pursue your dream like the persistent widow in Luke 18. Don't give up. Remember that persistent widow knocking on the judge's door, begging, knocking, 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 never gave up, got what she wanted. The same will happen to us. Number three, learn from Joseph's discipline on the way to his dream. He was a man of integrity, set apart, an amazing man. If you, you just read it, it's, it, it, it's awesome. He proved himself to be a good steward. He worked with excellence. Bible actually says that. He worked with excellence. He took no shortcuts. He wasn't lazy. He worked hard. He humbled himself, and God promoted him. You know, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up, it says. Amen. He was promoted, as I said, in Potiphar's house. He was promoted um, in the prison, and he faithfully waited for the day that his prophetic dreams would come to pass. The key to our promotion is within us. The key to our promotion is within us. We are responsible for what happens to our lives. Amen? Mrs. Potiphar wanted to commit adultery. He didn't go along with it. He, said, he could have said to himself, I know the Lord would understand. I mean, look what happened to me. I mean, I haven't had a, a woman's touch around me for years. 
I haven't had a mother. I haven't had a sister. I haven't had some friends who, were, who are girls. The Lord would understand. No, he understood. It's not right, and I'm not going to do it. Amen. His spiritual discipline and purity came to the fore in what he said to her. We can read in Genesis 39, 6 to 9. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative, administrative sorry, responsibility over everything he owned with Joseph there. He didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was very handsome and well-built. He was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. In fact, another translation says she casted longing eyes on him. <laughs> Come sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? I would be, it would be a great sin against God. Talk about someone who gets it. It's not about sinning against my own body. It's not about sinning against Potiphar. Hey, first of all, it's about sinning against God. Amen. Here's the truth. No one can stop your destiny except you. You know, when a dream is put in you and it does not have the moral and ethical dimensions, it is not of God. You know, it must line up with the Word of God. We had a, a, um, a gentleman many, 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 many years ago in our church as young Christians, and he had a dream. And in the dream, God said to him, you must divorce your wife and marry that man's wife. You know, if I knew then, and I've been saying that a lot, haven't I, Mona? If I knew then what I know now, I would have said, don't blame God for this mess. Don't, don't blame God for your own desires and your dreams. Amen? Oh, I had a dream. It must be God. No. No, it's not. Number four, learn that people with dreams are able to forgive. At the end of the whole story, the whole debacle, here comes this whole beautiful, difficult part that most of us would find difficult. Amen? You know, when we were in business, we ran a company called Redemption Leather, and we had two stores. One, I can't even remember the... the, the yeah, the Golden Acre, I remember, because that was the second shop. The Golden Acre linked up with another... Is it Old Mutual Center? Old Mutual Center. So we were running this um, footwear manufacturing business. Pastor Andre was a manufacturer with a factory and uh, belts, bags, you name it. Anyway, we, we were doing really well. We, we, were, we were tithers. We were givers. Um, we supported an evangelist in our church. And we felt that our business belonged to God. It was our business. And then one day, a guy walked in. And he said to Pastor Andre, I'm going to close you down. You'll be out of business soon. And then he turned around and out he walked. Well, God blessed us and we kept going. And suffice to say, his business closed down. 
and we, we were going strong, and our business was established in 1976, and it's still going strong because we sold it to someone who is running it really well, as we would have done, and we forgave this man his, his foolishness. In fact, his business had closed and we didn't even know it. And I walked past that section, I had to go somewhere, and I asked someone else next door, I said, what, what happened here? No, six months ago, or nine months ago. And I thought, okay, all right, forgive this man. He, he didn't know what he was saying, amen? Matthew 18, 21, 22. Jesus was teaching, and it says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Meaning it's so many per day, you just have to do it every, every single time. Okay? Now, I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking common sense here. If you have a husband that is beating you about, and you say, well, the Lord says I must, no. No, 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 no. That is not a platform for abuse of any kind, whether it's a man or a sister or brother or a parent is no, this is not an excuse. It speaks about a brother, someone you are knit together with, amen? Someone that, you, that is hurting you or not realizing, and even if they do realize, 77 times, 70 times 7, amen? So... You have to be able to forgive on, on the way to your dream. The people that tried to kill your dream, the people that gossiped about you, the people that lied about you, you should forgive. Because not only is it good for your health, it's good for your mental state. Jesus said, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. Amen? And so, Je Joseph forgave his brothers because he saw a larger purpose for his dream. He laid aside revenge and ultimately his love for his brothers because the love of God was in him covered a multitude of sins that came from them. And then he said in Genesis 50 verse 20 to 21, and I'm nearly done, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Now, don't be afraid. I will continue to care, take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Isn't that beautiful? Because some people say, yes, I forgive you. No, forgive and speak kindly. It will make a bigger person out of you. It will make a, a beautiful daughter of God out of you. You be bigger than people, amen, who cannot forgive. So in closing, yes, life will be harsh, especially now, amen? There will be problems, there will be pressures, there will be difficult people who want to steal your dreams. But you know what God is looking for? God is looking for people of faith and big dreams. That's what God is looking for. Amen? God is looking for people who will believe him for the impossible because dreamers think differently to other people. God is looking for people who know and understand his nature. If you understand and know the nature and character of God, you'll be a big dreamer. God can do it for you. 
If he did it before, as we sing that song, he can do it again. Amen? And then God is looking for people with dreams who will not give up because they are trusting in him. So be that person in 2022 who dreams large dreams, who dreams the best is yet to come, who will not allow anyone to steal your dream. Amen. You'll be a forgiver. Amen. You'll be a bigger person because of it. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed and inspired by this ministry. 